This podcast has been brought to you by Dimples and Diamonds Women's Empowerment Community. Visit www.dimplesindiamonds.org to join the movement. Trying to be the coffee on the court of the game. I want to hear all the fans scream my name. Yeah, I'm poor. Do it again. Hard in the paint. Coach put me in. Took a lot of L's, a lot of L's in the past. Hey, man, I can't fail. I got to make it all last. Time, time to tick, 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 tick. Getting the money and get it quick, quick, quick. It's falling down and really what it seems. Feel like I am on the run. I gotta chase my dreams. You have now popped up in the top to the jury box. I am Kay the Jeweler. And I am Mrs. ASF. And welcome to the second episode of the Boss Up series. Um, if you guys are just listening for the first time, uh, we just wanted to let, just to give you a heads up and, and bring it on back for you. Um, we did a poll in our uh, private Facebook group. Um, we just wanted to know how many entrepreneurs, I just randomly asked this question, um, just to kind of see, I just wanted to put some feelers out there. Um, so we asked, you know, how many entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs um, that we had within the group, and the response, again, was uh, overwhelming. And, um, you know, they always say that, you know, you've got to give the people what they want. And so uh, Ash and I just did a little bit of brainstorming, and we came up with the idea of kicking off uh, the new year, uh, 2020, um, with a Boss Up series. Um, we just wrapped up or we just hosted a Diamond Clarity Experience a couple of weeks ago. And, oh, my goodness, it was amazing, amazing. And so, so many women, uh, the testimonies have been so awesome uh, from the women um, leaving the, that event, basically saying that they were, you know, pumped up, primed, ready to go uh, for 2020. And uh, we just wanted to kind of give them a little uh, fuel to that flame um, that was kind of lit, um, you know, as we begin to give them motivation in the group, you know, saying that 2020 is a year of clarity, the year of focus, the year of vision, the year of, look, um, what, um, double, I accept all of that. Oh, your trouble. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, double for your trouble. And so um, we just wanted to, um, you know, talk to um, some, you know, feature some boss women who are basically killing it in their uh, respective give zones. And on this particular episode, um, for, for the second episode of the Boss Up series, we are featuring Miss Lydia T. Blanco. Um, we would like to welcome you, welcome you to the Jury Box Podcast. Lydia T. Blanco is a trusted journalist, vibrant host, and digital media personality who is passionate about building community through storytelling. As a journalist, Lydia focuses on entrepreneurship, business, technology, and lifestyle. Throughout her career, she has reported on education, financial literacy, health, and more at NBC News, Black Enterprise, and a variety of, of publications. In addition to writing feature stories, Lydia is an on-air talent, speaker, moderator, facilitator, and brand transformation specialist. Some of her highlight interviews have been with Master P, Janelle Hill, Cheryl Sandberg, and Deborah Lee. And her speaking engagements range from Google to Social Media Week in Lagos, Nigeria. 
Lydia is the host of the How Through Lifestyle Podcast, the Get My Life Tour, which focuses on practicing vulnerability and how to show up for yourself. To date, the Get My Life Tour has an international audience and podcast that is distributed on nine listening platforms. Additionally, Lydia is the creator of Sincere Visions, a digital platform with a focus on media literacy, storytelling, and public interest technology. And as a media professional, Lydia is committed to amplifying the voice of marginalized communities. Again, you guys, ladies and gentlemen, um, join me in welcoming Lydia T. Blanco to the Jury Box Podcast. That round yes, of applause just you. made me. Thank you. That <laughs> round of applause just made me smile ear to ear. I'm like, whoa! I like that. I feel Listen, important. we we ha- you are. We see you. I I don't. I know Katamara um has reached reached out to you, but I follow you on Instagram. I've been following you since I've seen you at Black Girls Making Millions Academy. Yes. How you was all that stuff in the back, like. You were quiet, but then when you spoke, I said, oh, yes, I knew there was something. There was a reason why I needed to introduce myself to you. Welcome, Lydia. You know, Welcome to the podcast. Well, I am so excited. I am literally smiling ear to ear. It was, it was a pleasure meeting you all at Black Girls Making Millions. And that is just a testament to, this is a testament to how effective building community is mm-hmm, and making mm-hmm. sure that you follow up with people because I think that you ladies are so dope in what you all are oh. doing with this podcast oh. individually to speak for itself. Oh, I'm smiling from ear to ear. I know. <laughs> so sweet. So sweet. That was don't, so cry, don't cry. Don't cry. Don't cry. Don't cry. We got a whole show to go. You know what? Okay. okay. I just feel like it's going to be a show. It's going to be a show. I'm excited. Yes. Let's get this show on the road. Okay. So, Lydia, please tell our guests, how did you become a writer? Oh, my goodness. My journey to becoming a writer began in the third grade. I received an assignment in school, and it was an arts and crafts project, and we received this um, Hawaiian print paper, straw, and a few sheets of paper, and we were told, you can create whatever kind of book you want to, and I was like, hmm, I want to create a poetry book. I was always uh, in the know about Maya Angelou, and I had this dope second grade teacher who was like all things black excellence before that was like the coined term, and I knew that I wanted to write a poetry book, so I actually scribbled in this book. I wrote a couple mm-hmm. of poems. I still have the book to this day, but that's where really? I fell in love with. Yes, I do. My mom actually has it in California, mm-hmm. and that's when I began to write, and I began to take writing seriously, um, you know, as I matriculated throughout school, but when I got to college is when I really, really um, got into journalism. Before then, I would participate in spoken word um, competitions in the Bay Area as a member of Youth Speaks um, and would just try to write and speak as much as I could. But my journey began in the third grade. Hmm. You know, it's so funny. This is how I know you as journalists because 
you all up in our questions. So <laughs> go ahead, Kay. She just she took it. Hmm. She's running with it. Right. Um, well my question was going to be or is, um, what prompted you to make the transition from poetry to becoming a journalist? Okay, I like that question. So I have this personal tagline that I've been using. I maybe for the last year, and it's poet turned media professional. And I wrote that tagline for myself because I had to get back to the root of um, my being as a writer. And people who know me um, prior to my time in college know me as like Lydia the poet, um, and those after, you know, postgraduate, um, they know me as Lydia the journalist. And I, I've been getting back to the core of who I am as a writer. Um, that transition really came about because I saw um, so many people in my neighborhood being killed. Um, I live in the least touristy area of San Francisco. I tell people that all the time because everybody thinks of San Francisco as super white, um, the Golden Gate Bridge, um, of course, mm-hmm. you know, people who belong to the LGBTQIA community, they just don't place black people in San Francisco, but it goes down in San Francisco. Um, you tell people you're from California, it's like, oh, you're from L.A. or Oakland. I'm like, oh, I'm from San Francisco. They're like, hold on, wait, what part? I'm like, okay, so let me tell you about the other bridge that existed in California or in the Bay Area. So I used to write about a lot of the things that I saw happening in my neighborhood in the form of poetry, but when news, you know, crews would come to my neighborhood to report on what would happen or when they no longer came because it would happen so much, I decided that I wanted to be that person to tell um, stories about black and brown people who were often overlooked, and that is um, how I transitioned into journalism. I also always would say that I wanted Oprah Winfrey's or Wiki, Ricky Lake's job, and I was told, oh, well, you have to pursue ju- journalism. So that is how I got to, you know, um, being so curious about what it is that I'm actually doing now. Interesting. So as I stated, we, I follow you, my other camera follows you, and she, I must have missed this, <clears throat> but she said that you came up with, or she was reading something that you had posted, and she came across a word that was interesting to her, and when she told me what it was, I was like, hmm, that's interesting because I've never heard the term used before, but I, would you be able to, for my knowledge, as well as the knowledge of our listeners, define entrepreneur. Entrepreneur, yes. It is so interesting that you asked about that word because I was actually typing it earlier in the article that I was writing, and I was so surprised when um, this coach was using this word. But an entrepreneur is someone, is a professional um, who works for, you know, whatever company, but is able to operate like an entrepreneur within the company to advance the company. Um, Hmm. So I learned what that term was, I think in college, and I was like, oh, I'm about to be a dope entrepreneur. I know I want to be an entrepreneur one day, but let me see what I can freak, you know, in these corporate Mm -hmm. spaces. And to my surprise, 
that is what I've been able to do um, at every point of employment in my career. Um, it's also how I, you know, realized that I was a brand transformation specialist. I've always mm. entered companies at very pivotal times, typically during times of um, transition and rebranding. So I've been able to play, you know, unique roles within companies as a writer, um, as a digital, you know, media first journalist, and as someone who knows the business side of journalism as well, in addition to telling the stories. Hmm. Okay. Brand transformationalist. Okay. You caught that one, Kay? Yeah, I'm going to have to write. We're going to have to get it. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm going to have to put that one in. Hmm. Yeah. I love it. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to stick that one in my back pocket because um, oh, okay. I might need to. Mm, yeah. Make no, I'm going to write that one down. I'll get you know, you I will say this. And I know this is not a question, but I have to say this. It is so important to find the language for what it is that you do. I just have found it so helpful to lean on my network, um, to gather language or read or really sit down and take the time to evaluate what value I add to spaces and be able to put a name to it. So when I say brand transformation specialist, it's nothing new, right? There are other people who use that title as well, but it's something that's so applicable because people are like, oh, I'm a branding expert. I'm a this, I'm a that. And I'm like, hmm, I don't want to call myself those things, but uh, whatever it is that, you know, you or your listeners decide to, you know, refer to themselves as, I will say it's important to find that language, um, especially as a black woman, you know, in any industry, people are always going to question you. Um, and it's not that you always have to respond, right? Not everything re- warrants a response, but to be able mm-hmm. to have the language and articulate, you know, who you are and what you do is extremely, you know, important. Yes, because, you know, somebody came up, I, I was having a, a conversation with um, a, a girlfriend of mine, I guess I, I consider a girlfriend of mine. And um, we were talking about titles and, you know, labels and, you know, like, like you said, it's very important that you know what, you know, when people, well, someone, you know, if someone asks you what it is that you do, you know, to be able to articulate that. And I was like, girl, I don't even know what, what I got going on over here. And she was like, yes, you do. I said, what? She said, um, life solutionist. You're a life solutionist. And I was like, hmm, I like that. life solutionist. I like that. Right yeah, speaking of let me, lies. Let me get on Google. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got to put some words yeah, in so mind. I need to find of, my language. Look, she's getting us all together tonight here, honey, all together. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so speaking of lies, tell us about the Get My Life Tour and why you feel it's important for women to get their lives. Oh, my. The Get My Life Tour. Okay. So I went on my first leg of the Get My Life Tour when I left my job um, at NBC two and a half years ago. I was like, okay, I just need to get my life. I was so stressed from just, you know, workplace environment. And I was going to a physical therapist a therapist and a chiropractor because my body was just like, "Mm -mm, girl, get out of here. 
Um, and so I was like, okay, I need to just get my life. And every time someone would ask me, like, how I was doing or what I was working on, I would say, oh, I'm going to get my life tour. And they're like, what does that mean? I was like, well, I'm just getting my life. And they were like, can I come? And I was like, no, it's, it's about me. I'm getting my life. And, uh, <laughs> you know, fast forward a couple of years later, um, I was telling people about this idea I had to, you know, take people on tour with me as I get my life and thinking of ways I could build community. Um, and I thought about my very intimate journey after exiting um, the company. And I was just like, okay, what does that look like? So for me, when I answered that question, it looked like all areas of my life, so spirituality, health, um, wellness, finances, career, um, just lifestyle, right? Um, hence, get my life right. But the operative word in there is my. Um, so I tell people all the time to get my uh, life tour is about showing up for yourself and taking center stage. That's why I use the word tour. Um, also, because it's a journey, right? Um, we buy tickets and show up for so many other people. And I always say, like, how dope would it be if we showed up for ourselves the way we show up for Beyonce? Um, she puts in so yeah. much time, energy, effort, and everything else that goes into being who she is um, in order to show up for us. And I'm like, could you imagine if we showed up for ourselves that way? So that's what the Get My Life Tour is. Yeah. Um, it's a platform where women have come on so graciously and shared their journeys um, about how they got through, right? So this podcast is not about celebrity. It's not about, you know, who's going to make it pop. It's all about how vulnerable are you willing to be so that you can help another woman or a man get through um, on his pro on his process or her process. So that is what the, the Get My Life Tour is. And I always tell people, come on tour, show up for yourself. Admission is free. Um, and I've had so much fun with it. So thank you for asking about to Get My Life Tour. Okay. I'm, I like that admission is free because, you know what, it should be. It, <laughs> it definitely should be get you together for free because it, it doesn't cost anything to take time to to reflect. And that's I think that's like something that people don't even stop and do in this society. You know, we're so busy and so always mm -hmm. on the go. Like, are you, it, you really don't have to have all this fanfare around just taking a breath. Like, we don't even – stop to take a breath these days and that's free yeah. so shout out to you know taking a deep breath for free yeah um yeah. but what does your role as a writer for black enterprise entail so I wish I was just a writer um but that is okay. not <laughs> that is not all I get to be as um, black enterprise is a very nimble company um so I came on, I joined the staff of Black Enterprise in 2018 as a freelance events editor. And I was so excited about the opportunity because I always have wanted to write for a Black media publication. Um, that soon turned in to me, of course, writing for digital, also writing for the physical print magazine and working closely with other teams um, on content mm -hmm. strategy and things of that nature. So now um, I am the digital and events editor, but I actually 
write for the website. I am often top editing, excuse me, top editing content from other editors. I also work on the events because Black Enterprise is a media and events company. So I'm actually, you know, behind the scenes working on those things logistically um, when it comes to content working closely with the marketing team as well as multimedia sales uh, to produce branding content and events. Um, I, I feel like I'm saying so much, um, but that is what I do on a weekly basis, um, daily basis as well. You know, working in media nowadays, you're not going to just do one thing. If I could just be a writer, oh my gosh, I would be hopefully qualified for a Pulitzer. I'm like, please, somebody give me a Pulitzer. Um one day, one day, soon come, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you look focused already. Right, hello. Hello, everybody. Okay, Oprah, call me. No, okay, great. Um, <laughs> She's on tour. She's on her way. She's on her way. And look, you know, can I be on tour? Can we be on tour mm-hmm. with Oprah? Let me stick to the question. Mm-hmm. Let me not mess up y'all podcast. I apologize. Um, okay, so I do a lot. Um, it's rewarding. It's for the culture. Um so I get to write, produce, and make magic with my team members at Black Enterprise. Listen, shouts out for all the hats. All, all the hats. Like, I was trying to count. It was like 20, like 27 of them, 28, 20. You know what? All, <laughs> all the checks. Like that. You better collect all <laughs> the checks, okay? Ooh. We're here for collecting the checks. So, yes, yeah. shout out to you, sis. Awesome, 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 awesome. So in addition to all of the the hats and the roles that you, um, because, girl, I didn't know, listen, I I didn't know you, you had had it going on, girl. (laughs) You know, sometimes it does not feel like it. I just feel like it's going. I'm like, ooh, but thank you. (laughs) So listen, um, in – you know, in researching a bit of your background, and um, I see here that um, you are a very uh, heavy into activism, social activism. Um, mm-hmm. How has your passion for social justice and your career as a writer or journalist collide? You know, I tell people all the time that I teeter the line between journalism and activism because I don't feel like I have to be one or the other. Growing up in the Bay Area, we learned about, you know, the Black Panthers. We saw our history in that way. So prior to, you know, picking up that pen, if there was something going on, even in my neighborhood, I was outside before reporters got there, right? Um, Just going back to the transition from poetry to journalism. And when it comes to social justice issues, I feel the same way. I honestly feel like it is my due diligence to report and amplify, um, report on and amplify the stories that, you know, mainstream media will often overlook. Prior to moving to New York and going to graduate school and, you know, really entering the media industry here on the East Coast, when I wasn't, you know, writing stories about black kids and brown kids overcoming adversity um, for the nonprofit that I was working in at the time, I was on the front lines. Um, I was at meetings organizing 
um, with those who are going to be on the front line and making sure I knew where my post was as an independent journalist. Um, and I remember like the Washington Post or other publications commenting on my Instagram timeline or reaching out to me saying, hey, can we share this too? Because you were there first. Um, that sense of urgency and that commitment to uh, my community and, you know, larger causes has always been something that's been like, you know, embedded within me or on my heart um, and have pressed on me. So, look. I feel like as long as I'm a journalist and as long as I'm on fire for something, I'll do both. Um, unfortunately, you know, you don't always have that that um, freedom, right, depending on what kind of contract you're under, who you work for, what their views may be. Um, but because I've been so vocal about what I'm on fire for, people are actually interested um, in my work before I was working at a black enterprise or NBC or anywhere else. They're like, oh, wow, you were actually there? Hmm, so tell us what it's like. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, so I hope that answers your question, and I hope I didn't ramble. But I can't see myself not um, being on fire for either of them, especially when you think about, like, the civil rights movement here in America um, and how strategic our leaders were in using the media to their advantage um, and to organize people. So I feel that sense of urgency from the black press, from our ancestors and from, you know, our leaders. Yes. You, you said it like we, it is our duty, our responsibility. And I find it like a, a blessing for you to be able to like, for the, the entities that you write for and the, the people that you've worked for to be like, oh, yeah, tell me more about it. Because some people, I don't think everybody has that opportunity. Like, yeah. when, I go, when, when I was going to my job, it definitely wasn't a place where I could be like, listen, y'all, did you see what happened on the news? This is how I, you know, this is how I feel. This is what's going on. This is what we need to do about it. Because eh, I was the only person that looked like me so yeah the party the powers that be you know they weren't they definitely weren't checking for that but kudos sis to being able to be your realest self um we are all about that being your realest self Mm. so we see that one of your all-time dream interviewees is the queen herself miss Beyonce. (laughs) yes Yes. You had an opportunity to get her on the Get My Life Tour. What would you, what is one question that you are dying to ask her? Oh, my gosh. A question I'm dying to ask Beyonce. I have a million questions. Okay. Okay. We'll start mm. at the top. <laughs> oh, okay. So, first question. I'm kidding. A million questions. You know what? So, I don't even have a question. So, I'm not going to be fair. But don't hate me. Okay. I really want to speak to Beyonce about her relationship with Solange. There is something so intimate mm-hmm. about her and Solange's relationship. I would need both of them. So Solange, you listening, you're invited to. I um there is something so intimate, you know, and powerful about their relationship. And from my knowledge, they have not spoken about it deeply. But I know how close I am with my sister um, and how close Mm -hmm. I am with other women. And I think that 
sisterhood and that level of intimacy is underrated. I mean, look at the two of you ladies doing this podcast together. I don't know what moments you have off the mic um, and when you all are behind closed doors, but there is synergy um, and there's a calling on this podcast for you to do it together. Um, right? So I'm like, okay, so let's have that conversation. Um, because we see Beyonce and she is, oh, she is God given, right? She is Beyonce. Mm -hmm. Um, but there are so many people I'm sure that she leans on. And I believe that Solange is one of those people. And I can only imagine that if she spoke, um, about her relationship with Solange, how impactful it could be for other women um because i don't think everything is you know peachy but i can only imagine how powerful it is so i apologize for not having one question but that is one of the things that i would ask her about okay i mean it's 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 funny that you say you know when you you talk about you know um ash and i doing the you know the jury box podcast and you were speaking about the synergy or you know, that we have and, you know, the conversations that we may have, you know, off, what what would you say, off the cuff or off camera yeah, or offline. Off, mm-hmm. Offline. Um, that is actually how the Jury Box podcast got started because of the conversations that we have offline. And we were saying, um, you know, we were just, you know, we get on um, every uh, Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, and we do a, a conference call with one another, and we just kind of check in, you know, as far as what we have to do uh, work-wise for Dimples and Diamonds, um, if we're working on the podcast, things, you know, things of that nature. But before we get into work, we always, I, I felt it necessary to um, kind of have an outlet that um, make that moment of, or that time of sister or that sisterly moment that we can come and we can just, you know, um, vent about what might have happened during the week or just if there's something that, you know, may be going on that, you know, she or I may need some prayer about or just some advisement about, you know, we have that time first and foremost before it's business. I always put, you know, um, let's, let's, Let's talk about that portion of it before we get into into the business part because I think I felt like that was important with us building that sisterly bond and so that is kind of how the Jury Box podcast was birthed. So it was just funny that when you said that I was like, oh, she only knew. <laughs> I'm all in my lives. I love She's it. All in the business. I love it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all up in the business. Okay. <laughs> So on the previous podcast, on the very first episode, um, we asked um, the guest that we had, uh, which was Coriel, uh, we asked her um, what was the importance of having a, a PR representative, um, and, and she kind of elaborated a little bit. And since we have someone here online who is actually a journalist, um, we just were very interested, interested to know um, that is it, you know, is it really necessary to have or to pay someone to be a PR uh, representative for your business or if you're an entrepreneur, you're out here doing your thing? Um, how do you, um, as a writer, go about getting your, your stories or are they by pitch or by research or both? Oh, this is always um, a question I love answering because I have my, like, do's and don'ts for pitching. Everyone's are different. 
Um, but oh. whew, y'all, if you could look that at my inbox, yours, though. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I store stories. I love original stories. So I'm always surfing the web to see, um, in my, you know, there may be a post that someone put on Instagram that may have like 10 followers and I'm like, hmm, let me see if this is real. Um, so that can become a story. I most definitely accept pitches. Like, who would I be to not accept pitches? Um, I don't accept all of them, but I do, you know, give people a fair shot. I may skim through or read the entire pitch. Um, so Lydia, the journalist, I receive email pitches. I um, do not like to receive DM pitches because I have intentionally put out my um, Black Enterprise email um, and ways to be contacted just because my Instagram is my Instagram, you know, you like your personal space. Um, But when I receive a pitch, I am looking to know immediately what it is that you're pitching in the subject line. Um, I I also, you know, um, appreciate pitches that are straight to the point um, and that are clear. I think a lot of people struggle with clarity when, you know, they're trying to convince someone or, you know, have them buy into a story. But being clear is very important. You know, three bullet points could get to the point. Also, um, relationships are great, right? Um, So, of course, you're going to have a fair share of cold pitches. But I always tell people there is a way to be very warm, Um, even in a cold pitch. Um, So being pretentious, um, like you know someone, always rubs me the wrong way because I'm just like, hmm, where do I know you from? Um, Mm -hmm. Or people who literally copy and paste an email and send me the email with someone else's name, I'm just like, yikes, or a different publication. And it happens, right? Uh, We're on our phones. We've already sent a bunch of emails. Our eyes are tired. I'm trying to be, you know, gracious. Um, but those are things that I typically don't respond to unless it's, like, irresistible and I have to, you know, follow up with them. Um, so my do's are be warm, even when it's a cold email. Um, be clear. And be concise. You want to save someone time. It shouldn't take me more than a minute or two to know what it is that you're talking about. Um, Don't, do not just copy and paste um, and not check your spelling grammar um, or who it is that you're addressing your pitch to. Um, Do not follow up 300 times. It just may be that the editor's inbox is extremely full or at some point you kind of want to assume that they're not interested um, and don't have the time to tell you that. It's a very real thing. It sounds like, oh, my gosh. Uh-huh. It's not even that the editor thinks that they're important or higher than. Um, it just may be that they do not have enough time to respond to tell you, no, thank you. I mean, then you don't want to just respond, no, thank you. Because then you're like, what? Why was she so nasty? For me, <laughs> um, I am going to a number of meetings a day. I have my quota to write as a journalist. I, you know, have to respond to different requests and submit different things because I work with a marketing team. I work with events, digital content, and the sales team. So I'm communicating with a lot of people throughout the day. That's five different teams. Um, 
So to respond to someone who's emailed me three times about someone who does not fit into the audience is a waste of time. Um, Also, you know, know what that editor writes about. If you don't know that editor's beat and you pitch me something about, mm, I don't know, I don't know, something about the environment. I don't cover the environment, so I'm not going to pay attention. Now, if you send me anything about black women in entrepreneurship, um, beauty entrepreneurs, executives, technology, or HBCUs, you're most definitely going to catch my attention. But if you tell me that, um, I don't know, 5,000 elephants need water by tomorrow, and I need the story to be published by today, I'm like, well, go pitch the National Geographic. Because I'm not going to write it, you know? Right. Um, but I have to be that extreme because people, y'all, if I could just share my inbox, you would be like, I feel sorry for you. Um, I've received great pitches, and then I've received some that are just like, oh, my gosh, please stop. And this is my last point about the pitches, right? And then I'll answer your second um, no. second part of your question. So this, the last point I have to make is do not – be so persistent to the point where it is annoying. So I have had people DM me on Instagram, tweet me, so mention me on Twitter because we're not following one another, and then somehow, because the Internet is just the Internet, find a personal email address of mine and email me there and then email me what? at Black and the Pride. Oh. I kid you not. I kid you not. Um, and I'm just like, Oh, my gosh. You know, and I understand people are getting paid to be public relations specialists and um, representatives, but it's never that deep. And I'm like, I never want to respond in a way where you remember me um, poorly. So I choose not to respond. Um, But that is a no, no. And it happens more times than you would actually think. There are so many websites where you can fish for people's information, um, and people will use whatever, and it is the worst thing. Now, about the PR um, reps, I honestly think that everyone should be their own PR rep um, and learn how to do so effectively until they need to pay someone to be their PR rep. I think some people are selling people dreams about placement, this, that, and the, you know, the third. And unfortunately, depending on your, you know, um, what is it, your clout or your credibility, some people just may not be interested um, in writing about or placing someone in whatever editorial piece. Um, So to that point, I just say, gauge when it is that you need to pay someone to do that. And then take a free workshop. There are so many master classes now on how to be your own PR rep um, to the point where you can pay $20 to sign up for someone's um, webinar and then learn how to do it yourself. You should always be your best marketing um, rep anyway. So that's my advice on that part of the, the question. Awesome. Oh, that was, that was a whole word. Yeah. Y'all take yeah. notes now. It so. was. Whew. Don't look. Don't embarrass yourself now. <laughs> Listen, 
and don't be a stalker is what I took from that because <laughs> that's the worst way to wind up in file Z, which is the trash can. Okay. Okay. You don't want to be in the delete box. Moving on. Okay, Lydia, as a little girl, did you imagine, was there like any, did you, could you have even imagined that you would be where you are today? In your career, you know, personal life, all of that. A huge part of me wants to say yes, and then imposter syndrome, Lydia, who I am unlearning being, wants Mm. to say no. Um, Yes, because I was always so jovial, loud, in your face. Um, wanting to be center stage. I had like a number of plastic microphones. I actually still have one from college um, because a professor, hey, look, 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 I got a good reason. A professor of mine told me um, practice speaking in front of the mirror with a microphone. I was like, microphone. So I went to Target and got one out of a little kid section. So don't be laughing at me now. Uh, But it is pink and purple. It's kind of cute. Okay. You, you know, my I favorite hear that. Okay. child. I feel you, sis. I, I feel <laughs> you. I'm not judging. Okay. All right. Look, no, but um, seriously, um, so that Lydia says, yeah, I always saw it. I spoke it into existence, and I most definitely have believed God for a lot of um, where I am and just believe, you know, the most high for just my life because there are so many things that could have been distractions. Um, what I will say is when I refer to imposter syndrome, Lydia, is um, that's the part of me that was really discouraged at one point. Um, I was just like, oh, I'm not really sure if this is something I should be doing, and I don't want to work in a newsroom, and yeah, I wanted to be a host, but hmm, I'd rather be behind the scenes um, because of words that were spoken over me, um, words that were spoken at me, um, and just life. Right. So now I say yes, but I also know there's that part of me that was just like, nah, look, I ain't sure. And I always have to be honest about that because there are people who get it right away and have all of the support they need. But I think it's important for people to know that if they have been discouraged, that they can continue to pursue the calling on their life, especially if that is a divine calling. And what I realized is that. Had I not um, continued to move forward, I would have should have all over the place um, in regret because I was discouraged. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes and no. Good stuff. Good stuff. Last question. Um, do you have any advice to our listeners who may or may not know um, how to go about getting into uh, the field? Of journalism? You know, I want to say remember that your story is worth telling too. I remember thinking that I always had to get the story. And I remember being in grad school, I think our tagline was, like, What's the story? Um, but I think when you know, you lose sight of what your story is. It's hard to be an authentic storyteller. Um, So I know that's like a more 
SEL piece of advice, um, that social and emotional learning advice, right? Um, but I think it's so key. Everybody really focuses on, like, the technical aspects of journalism, who you should know, what networks you're a part of, and how strong your writing is. But mm-hmm. a lot of – some, I feel like some of the best writers are those who are honest with themselves and about their journeys. I think that's why people love Oprah Winfrey so much. I look at her tapes from, like, 92 and 3 or 93 and 4 or whatever, Um and I'm just like, yo, she had to be doing her work in order to ask those kinds of questions. And now we see, you know, with Super Soul Sundays, like she's clearly doing her work in order to be able to ask the questions that she's asking. So I would say, know that your story is worth telling too. Um, mm-hmm. I really don't have any other technical advice um, because there's so much that she'll get, right? Um, but to be fair, for those looking to get into journalism, I would say relationships are gold within this industry. So if you don't know where to start, maybe you start on social media by, um, you know, following someone whose career journey you admire, connecting with them on LinkedIn, um, attending events where journalists are speaking and making an effort to connect with them in a real way. Um, And then always write, you know, Never stop writing, even when someone tells you it was a bad idea or your grammar was a little weak here or your story was disjointed. Writing is a muscle that, you know, takes time to build. But the more you write, the more you read, the better off you'll be as a journalist or a storyteller. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lydia, you are so for um, Thank you. joining us on tonight um, for uh, this for the second episode of the Boss Up series. Um, we appreciate you. Um, like Ash says, we we both follow you on um, Instagram, and we keep up with what it is that you're doing. And um, I just wanted to personally commend you um, for um, letting your light shine um, from the first. Uh, well, I well. Let me just put this little disclaimer out here real quick. I didn't know that you were with uh, Black Enterprise when we were at Black Girls Making Millions. And I told Ash, I, I, um, I, we laugh about this all the time, and I was like, I, I didn't even know who she was. This girl just kept asking me for my pocketbook, and I didn't know who she was. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me tell my secrets out here in these streets. She be sharp, She be sharp. She be sharp now. Yeah, they say the people from the Bay got to stick your fingers in deep pockets. So, mm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So you know, and um, you know, you were you were sitting back in the cut, but you were you were there and you were doing your job, and um, you just you blended right in. So it was you know it it just made it very easy. And I don't know if that was that you know that's one of the things that you do or how you maneuver when you're at the, you know, at, at the events, but you just were very low key um, and very observant about what was going on. And I just thought that you were just an, you know, just an attendee that was there. Um, but uh, come to find out you were, you were there uh, covering uh, black girls making millions and um, you were doing your thing and you are still doing your thing. And I just wanted to, like I said, personally commend you um, for letting your light shine. Thank you so much. You know, 
I already gave you ladies your flowers at the beginning of this episode, but I have to, of course, just give you a standing ovation. Now, I don't have no uh, sound effects on my end, but um, they think that you, you play Lydia. Yeah, for yourself, <laughs> but I can hit it for I can hit I you can know, hit the I applause. Look, I was, <laughs> You know what? That is that is my heart rooting for you ladies. Um because it is so important to support one another, um, and really support one another. Not a like, a comment, um mm-hmm. but to really tune in, right? And um mm-hmm. show up for each other. So yeah. thank you for the invitation. Thank you for seeing me. I see you ladies as well. And I am so glad that we are connected. Oh my gosh. I can't wait for y'all to join me on to get my life tour. Ooh, plug but no plug yeah. but plug. Damn. Listen. <laughs> I'm ready. I was waiting for my invitation. I'm ready. I am so ready. And um, in the interim, um, can you tell our listeners or tell the people um, where they can connect with you? Of course. So on all social media platforms, you can find me at Lydia T. Blanco. That is L-Y-D-I-A-T Blanco. I should have spelled that out, but it's okay. Y'all figure it out. Okay. And then um, you can follow the Get My Life Tour on social as well or check out the Get My Life Tour dot com or tune in wherever you listen to podcasts. Awesome. Well that concludes this episode of the Boss Up series. Um be sure to subscribe to the Jury Box podcast to hear um this episode, our first episode, and also the, the series finale. And you can find us on um what Apple Podcasts Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Ash, I don't know. Tune in. Say goodbye. Uh, yeah, Apple. Girl, I don't, what's the best part? I don't know. It's a lot of them. Wherever you get your podcast. Yes, wherever you get your, your podcast fix. And as always, do what you ladies do best, and that's what, Ash? Keep shining on them. Keep shining on them. See ya. See ya. It's falling down, it really what it seems.